so our struggle is not my fault. All this I guess I lose my friends, I lost my baby. Let me smoking crack only today. What to change? He what had it? So the cooking gonna try well at you feel. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Uh, Just a little fun fact for you fans at home. Tomorrow is my actual birthday, and I think as a gift to me... Dalton happens to know how much of a fan of college tennis I am, particularly of college tennis from about 2010 to 2016. So as his gift to me, we are bringing to you fans today an interview with two-time USC men's tennis national champion, the current ATP world number 131, and German tennis player Yannick Hanifman. Yannick, welcome to the Cracked Interviews podcast. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. You know, I, this is one of the interviews we interviewed uh, Ty Kwiatkowski. We interviewed a bunch of the Virginia guys, and I've just been waiting to get a chance at a Trojan. So this is this is big for me. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, Virginia, I mean, I hope you get a couple more USC guys on there. But um, <laughs> when you're talking college tennis 2000 to 2016... That's a lot of UVA and USC right there. That's what I'm talking about. I agree. And so uh, just so you know, that'll be the theme of our conversation today. A lot of college tennis questions for you. Um, but before we do that, again, let's, let's, have our, let's let our fans get to know you. I believe you were born, and I'm going to get this pronunciation wrong, but Karlsruhe, Germany? Yeah, that was not too bad. Karlsruhe. But I mean, I know you got the Americans don't don't really speak the H, so it's uh, understandable as Karlsruhe instead of Karlsruhe. But it, it's close, you know, it's not bad. Uh, Karlsruhe. I will work on it and get it right by the end of this podcast. Uh, you don't you don't need to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the the reason I want to start there is because looking through your records, I noticed you did not play a lot of ITF junior events before college, but much more so, you were involved in the future circuit, a lot of Germany events. I'm curious, is that a decision you and your coaches made long beforehand? You thought right from the get-go, I want to try and be a professional and not really play on the junior circuit? Um... I think there's a few factors that uh, made that happen because um, I mean I was doing pretty normal school so when you do normal school in Germany it's kind of hard to do the ITF tournaments um, during the week and travel and all that stuff so I think I played a few which were in Germany so I could take maybe a week off and tell school that I was sick or something <laughs> but um, yeah I just I just wasn't really able to travel myself and um, and to be honest, I don't think I was good enough uh, at that point to really play the the senior Grand Slams. And I think ultimately, what you want to do as a as a junior, and if you want to um, commit to playing the junior events, I think that's the goal, right? To play these Grand Slams. And um, yeah, I think it just didn't really work out for me. I I, I focused more on uh, like prize money tournaments at, at at the weekends, and you know because I have time for that, and then. Once it got a little bit later, once I got to like 16, 17, 18, I played a little bit more future events um, before going to college. But yeah, that was, that was my whole process there. 
Well, I, I want to start out with a little game. Uh, it's something I try and do on all of these Cracked Interviews podcasts. Westoff, cue the game show sound effect. It's time for this week's Alex's Trivia. Um, sorry, you had to hear that, Yannick. It, it's less embarrassing to do since that's like the 15th time I've done it, but I still am you know, not, not proud of it. Um, but okay, I want, yeah, I want to take our listeners back to October 7th to, to October 12th, 2008, so a decade ago. And I should say, I was turning 13 just the day before this ter- tournament began. So we are at the Germany F-22 Futures, where a 16-year-old Yannick Hanifman gets his first ATP win of all time. Now I'm going to ask you, Yannick, do you remember who you played and what the score was of this match? Um, Philippe de, bon, de Bonvie, French guy. Uh, he was seeded three or four, I think three. And I think the result was, I want to say something like 7-5. And the second set was a little bit easier, maybe 6-2 or 6-3. A 7-3. So you are one game off, seven six six three. But that's that's really impressive. Seven six, okay. okay. <laughs> what do you what do you remember about that event, if anything? Oh, I I do remember some things about it. Um, I mean, kind of a, you know, I mean, kind of a big deal to not really <laughs> a big deal, but for, for at that point, a big deal to get a first uh, world ranking point. But yeah, I remember. I mean, I, I think I, I was there. With a wild card, um, it was the, the the tournament was at the site where I practiced at that time. Um, so I really I knew the courts, I knew the surroundings and everything, and I I really felt comfortable playing there. And then I get a draw against this guy, and um, you know my coaches telling me like, oh just like you know have fun, you have nothing to lose, blah blah, all that usual stuff. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just kind of went out there, and I was really happy to 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 play there and just just kind of enjoy the time. And I think I played really well. And I think I remember, if I remember correctly, the guy um, he tilted a little bit. I think after the first set, because maybe he just saw the wild card and kind of like mm, maybe he's not good or whatever. <laughs> and I think he tilted a little bit at the end of the first set and. Um, that made me kind of a little bit okay going for hey I can actually win this thing <laughs> yeah and then I win the second set as well and I remember I remember going to my dad after that match and he was like he's saying and I'm like oh I can't wait for next week you'll be in the world ranking so <laughs> <laughs> well well, well I, I, I this match a little bit yeah. no it's a it's a great story and I think you know you look throughout your career you had uh, after that a bunch of wild cards for the next couple of months um you know is that something is that something you knew was going to come your way did you expect to get these wild cards or was it really just uh you know you had the one win and people are seeing and now they're throwing you wild cards because i feel like a lot of our listeners don't understand how the wild card system works so i think the wild card for this tournament was kind of natural because i was practicing at that facility and so I think that I'm, I'm not sure, but I think the tournament director was the head coach of that facility. So he gave me the wild card because I was the one, kind of the only guy there, or maybe one of two guys there, and we both got wild cards for the tournament um, because we just practiced there. But then after that, because I had a good run, 
I think one other wild card um, that I got in Stuttgart, maybe in like a couple of months after that, um, I won that wild card actually um, by a, like a tournament that I that I won before. It's like under 21, uh, like a state kind of championship. I won that one, so I got the wild card for that. And the other ones were actually from the German Tennis Federation, which I actually don't know how I got them. I don't remember that anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I don't know. I I played well for for this this period, and I guess they they said, hey, let's let's give this give this Huntsman guy a chance. But I wasn't really um, a guy that that was really uh, going to like the, the the German Federation stuff because I didn't play the junior tournaments. And uh, they didn't really know me until after I played a couple of those futures. No, definitely. And I, I, I do want to ask, you know, you are, uh, for those who have seen you play, you're a tall guy. You're 6'4". Um, for, for us, if we're imagining a 16-year-old Yannick, and then we can move on after this uh, into your college time, but 16-year-old Yannick Hoffman. Hanifman. Is he, what, six foot, six foot one, 120 pounds, maybe 130 pounds? Oh man, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I think uh, I was, let yeah, let's say six foot. Um, I was definitely skinnier. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really a big guy or anything. But at that time, I was really skinny. I think so. I'm not good with the pounds to kilos. At <laughs> but um, let's just say you're like right. It. But let's sure. let's just let's just have it. I was this kind of kind of tall, really skinny guy that kind of made some plays with a little bit lengthy and a little bit uh um yeah i don't know it's just a little bit funky looking uh, sure well then to fast forward with that image in mind you have a funky looking yannick Hanifman who's making some waves on the on the future circuit you know has cracked the top 1500 is hovering around number a thousand I do want to ask you now about a Germany F20 future played October 13th to the 18th, 2009. I know, we're getting very specific, but I promise this one has a point. In the, in the round of 16, you play a USC player named Peter Lukasen, and you beat him 7-6, 4-6, Now, what I'm curious is, is that the match where the USC recruiting started for you? Totally not, but I wish, I really <laughs> wish Peter, Peter would jump into this podcast right now. And we had so many discussions about that match, we're always laughing about it. But yeah, um, I, yeah, I, I mean, there was no recruiting back, to, back then because I had no idea where it was going to go a couple years after. <laughs> and at that time, I, was Peter already committed to USC? I, I don't even know. Yeah, I, I I would imagine it's 2009. Peter's already a coach. He has to have been playing college tennis around then. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that match was just so funny. I, I think <laughs> and Peter, I think, would agree on this because he should have been disqualified from that match. He should have been defaulted for sure because he, he threw an absolute fit. Um, you should ask him about this, but um, yeah, that match was really funny. Oh, do you still hold that on? Uh, hold that above him that you that you took him out there. Well, I don't think we, anyone cared um, that I took him out there, but uh, <laughs> the way he acted there was just so funny because Peter gets really into tennis, and he's probably still up to this day one of the guys that loves tennis the most I've seen ever on tour. And um, yeah, you could see it there because he was he was obviously 
not winning and things were getting tough and he was just screaming and throwing his racket <laughs> and all that stuff but oh, yeah that was, that was Peter that was great and yeah. Um, yeah sometimes we talk about it and have, have a good laugh well I mean yeah that's half the fun of playing tennis well then getting back though to the college recruiting you mentioned you didn't really have an idea of college tennis you know your first year was the 2011-2012 season you were ranked just inside the top 1000 around that time uh, what led not only to your decision to play at USC, but your decision to play um, college tennis just in general? I, I feel like it, I don't. How did you hear about it? Um, I had a couple of guys from from around my town that went to play college tennis. Uh, one was uh, Christoph Müller. He played for Rice um, for the Houston School, and uh, the other guy was Peter Frank. He um, what did he play? No relationship to Mitchell, I assume. No, 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 no. He's also <laughs> German. I, I don't remember his school, but yeah. So these two guys, and I, I practiced with them a couple of times um, around the time where I was, let's say, uh, maybe 11th grade, 12th grade, where I started thinking about what to do after graduation, which was at, at uh, after the 13th grade for, for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so they, they they told me about it. You know, they told me, hey, college tennis is, is, is this and this, and and you could get a scholarship, and because you're pretty good, you could probably get to a really good school, and and that was the uh, the first steps, you know, to toward thinking um, what to do after graduation. And then my parents also were were thinking about it because I, you know, the the stupid little little tennis player in me that wanted to play pro <laughs> thinking thinking he's gonna go out there and beat everyone and obviously I was wrong and and they were kind of like you know settling me a little bit and telling me hey this could be a good alternative you know you can you can go to school you can get a degree but you could also like play uh, pretty professionally you know you, can, you have this great setup around you and so we started looking into that and uh, that was yeah around that 12th grade or end of the 11th grade for me that was the first times where I looked at colleges and um yeah yeah do you want me to go into that recruiting process because that well, was also fun uh, obvious i i think the natural follow-up is peter smith is this larger than life personality what did he do to draw yana Kanafman in yeah so so that process was pretty cool too um we had a couple, um, you know, as as a player that's kind of good in the rankings too. You you get all these, uh, you get like emails or you get uh, back then it was a lot of stuff uh, via Facebook messages. They would just the coaches was uh, would message you and ask you, hey, you're interested in stuff. And one of the first ones was uh, Ty Tucker from Ohio State. Of and, course, uh, really, really, really loved Ty. You know, we had we had a lot of um, contact before. We we talked a lot, and he really wanted me to come. I think. And um, yeah, from USC, I, I didn't have anything. You know, Peter, I think didn't didn't really know me back then. But then I had in my surrounding, I had a I had a girlfriend, uh, not my girlfriend, <laughs> but like a girlfriend. Um, she played she played golf, um, professional, played pretty good go- golf, and she was going to USC. And then um, yeah, so so okay. while while she was there, she told me, hey, USC has a really good tennis program. And I was like looking into it, and then I see, you know, Stevie Johnson. I saw they they won a championship, and I was like, hey, this this school, maybe maybe I should ask them, you know, maybe I should. Get them, you know? <laughs> and um, so I sent Peter an email. I think uh, 
my girlfriend, she was talking to him too because uh, I don't know, just just telling him about me or whatever. Sure. And yeah, so so Peter um, answered to my email, and I was gonna go to to the states with my dad to see a couple of the schools, and it was um, Ohio State, it was uh, USC and UCLA. So went to USC last, and that was probably the best thing that I could have done. <laughs> went to Ohio State first, met these guys, amazing program, amazing guys, it was really a good time. Uh, left them feeling like, hey, I should go there, you know. Go to UCLA, I met um, eventually my assistant coach, Chris Quinta, but he was uh, at UCLA back then. And I really liked him, liked UCLA as well. And then last thing, I went to USC. And um, just something about Peter, and back then it was George Usak, his assistant coach, who's now Alabama head coach. Um, these guys, they, they took me in, took me around campus and um, just something about that school made me like talk to my dad right after, after the meeting we were like, man, I, I think this is the place, right? My dad was the same way. And so we went back home, Germany, and, and we were thinking like, man, we got, it's got to be USC. Like it, <laughs> it, it felt a little bit special and, and told Peter, hey, Peter, I, I really want to go. And, and uh yeah, so so fortunately they had a scholarship open, which was I think thinking back was was really lucky because these guys uh, usually fill up um, their scholarships a little bit before when I came, mm -hmm. but they had one open and man couldn't be couldn't be happier and I was yeah. charging after my graduation uh, in high school and I was ready to go. Yeah, well you talk about you know that USC team. You mentioned Steve Johnson is the obvious one, and we mentioned this. You, you know you can't talk about 2009 onwards in college tennis without mentioning the USC Trojans. Uh, they you you come into a team that had won three championships in a row, but they, it really was a changing of the guard because while Stevie ended up staying, Daniel Wynn ended up staying. You have Ray Sarmiento as well. There's this new class of you, Emilio Gomez, Eric Johnson. Roberto Quiroz. Um, did you did you know going in, you know, what the expectations were going to be, and you know, did that factor in your decision? Did you embrace that? Uh, what is it like joining a three-time defending national champion? Um, I don't know. It, it was it was it was difficult, I would say, because um, I didn't really know all about college tennis once I really got there because, I, of course, I saw, okay, they won a championship twice when I got there uh, or when I committed and then they won it again. Um, so I won it three times and I got there and thinking, like, not really having any any expectations or, or thoughts about how good the level would be. And, you know, I, I get there and see all these guys and, and think to myself, damn, like, this you know this this is good tennis and stuff and uh you know like at the end of at the end of my freshman uh freshman year fall semester it was tough for me to even get into the lineup because i think i i really had a tough transitioning time um from like german tennis or whatever from tennis back home to playing there playing for the school you know playing for for usc and and all this just it was it was really challenging and uh <laughs> i remember the the, the talk coach uh, Peter and, and, and George and I had after my, my first fall semester they're like what, where do you see yourself in, in the lineup you know and, and I'm saying something like uh, I don't know like top three or whatever and I was so far off <laughs> and, and they're like they're like well you know 
I mean, you got to earn your place in the in the lineup in the, the top six, not in the top three. And um, they were totally right because uh, I started playing playing five and sometimes four, maybe and six. And man, it was it was a tough time. But but you know, as as it is, challenging times always make you better. And um, it was really good for me to have that challenging environment that we had at USC. I mean, we had so many good players in in that first in my freshman year. And uh, from I would say from one to nine, we had really good players. We had great practice. We always had challenges between each other. And Stevie leading leading the whole way. I mean, I couldn't have asked for like a better, also challenging, but for a better um, first year. Well, there are a lot of different ways I want uh, a lot of things I want to touch on from that answer. Uh, I think the one we should start at. You mentioned making that transition from Germany to America, and not only are you thrown into the world of college, which is its own scene on itself, but now you're a you know a full time D one athlete for the premier tennis uh, tennis program in the country. To our listeners who may be starting college tennis, who you know have not, no, nowhere near that hard of a transition, uh, can you talk to us about what that was like and what it's just personally what it's like to go through that and how you managed to cope with all the various changes? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, that's very broad thing. You know, everyone has his own like. Uh, like difficulties in, in adapting to to like this kind of team climate or whatever, or or, or sure. even changing from 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 one country to another. Um, I think for me, when I sat in the plane to go to the states, I really, I really had no clue what to expect, um, <laughs> and and that was that was probably a good thing because, I mean, as you probably know, expectations kind of always let you down, right? Sure. <laughs> I mean, that's that's yeah, and. And so you gotta, you really gotta go in there with an open mind, and 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 the good thing about about that whole transition was that you immediately in like a team culture, right? You you go in and you you have your tennis teammates, right? You you're not going there and you have to make friends and really like go out go out and really figure everything out by yourself. So you got some help. You got your you got your uh, advisors with the school side. You got your coaches that help you out. I mean. I remember the first few days, Peter. Peter really helped me um, in like getting everything set up. You know, little things, getting my phone, getting a bank account, um, helped me move in and all that stuff. You know, like they they really they helped you settle in, and they they have to because I mean I'm kind of a foreign kid and, and <laughs> don't really know what's going on. But um, like really having this team culture and and the and, and the system around it that, that helps you get settled in that's that's what, what what makes it really easy what could be really rocky you know yeah and, and i mean it helps that you've got all these golfing girlfriends right that that's an easy transition <laughs> as well no uh but i do want to ask because uh, you know i was applying to schools not too long ago and when i got into usc i remember being like dad like i i want to think seriously think, i'm going out west like it's f- beautiful out there what was that like that transition to the la lifestyle yeah man la is great <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got the weather you got the, you got the the sports you got the girls you got everything <laughs> i'm kidding no but um i mean i didn't really i mean i'm coming from germany going to la it was definitely a big change, but also 
not that that big in in the end because uh, like everything's made up made for you there you know it's it's just the obviously the language is different the for me the school was was very different but in a in kind of a positive way um so yeah i really enjoyed school maybe not all the time <laughs> but <laughs> yeah but um yeah, as far as as far as, as cities go, or or the change of the of the country, I just I, I think I I, I kind of loved all the um, the differences that we have, and and right, that's that, that's part of life. That everywhere everywhere you go, there they have some some difficult things, some different things, and and that's kind of cool. Yeah, and you know, you, you mentioned this earlier as well. So here's where we'll make the transition into talking tennis. And I apologize in advance because I know way more about this era of college tennis than any human should. Uh, but this is really this was the prime of college tennis to me when you had the best USC teams and this just emerging powerhouse in Virginia. You also have USC Ohio or UCLA Ohio State who are all incredible. I want to ask you, you know, your first season freshman year, right away, you provide the match clincher, the match clincher for the Trojans at the ITA national team indoor. Was that better or worse than helping your club team, TCU Weinheim, win its third national league? Uh, it was a bit better. <laughs> well, just what you know again and again for more context in that national team indoor, you guys knock out number three Ohio State again. You guys are the defending national champions. You have Steve Johnson who made the decision to come back. Um, it's a three-all match, and you're playing, I believe, a senior or if not a senior, maybe a junior in Devin McCarthy at five singles. Yep. What is that? Shout out to Devin. Like? Yeah, great, great. Another, you know, I'm a Michigan guy. Um, class of 2017 so shout out to the wolverines yeah we we, we, we've we have met before um but yeah you know what what is it like to be thrown into that situation um well i mean i remember uh i don't know who finished this match before me but then i remember i just broke and um just broke in the third set to go up 3-1 or something like that and then i realized oh it's 3-3 I'm like, uh. <laughs> but then you know, like I was, I was very fortunate because at that time um, Peter was 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 doing most of my matches, and I think in these situations, um, obviously I only had him in college, but I think give me someone that is better in those situations than Peter Smith. I'll I'll be waiting. Um, I think he is he is amazing in making his players feel com- uh, confident and comfortable in these situations where it's the the stakes are high and the pressure is the, is like really hard to deal with. And um, I mean, I could talk to you about the same situation in in my clinching match in the national championship a couple months after. Um, same situation, you know. Peter Peter's out there. He's so calm. He gives you so much confidence and. And, and in a way, he, he kind of um, figures you out what, what, what you need for your mental state uh, that makes you succeed. And, you know, um, that pressure really, of course, it gets to me. But, but, but the kind of connection between him and I that we had on the court in those moments was so strong that, that not that much from, from outside could go into my mental state to, to, to mess it up. So I kind of just just played it uh, pretty calmly, I would say. I think the match went 
went six four in the third against Devin. I I just held serve to to finish it and um, yeah, I mean Peter Peter is amazing in those moments and uh, without him it would definitely be a little bit more difficult, you know, to deal with those things. But uh, yeah, he he really has a gift there. Yeah, well, you you talk about those moments, and for those who don't remember the NCAA Finals from, I believe it was 2012, as well as we do, uh, in the semifinals and finals, well, in the semifinals first, you guys are playing UCLA for your fourth time that season. They had beaten you in your most recent match, and then similarly in that final uh, against Virginia, who you have played uh, so many times throughout the years. Um there were a lot of rain delays. You know, weather was a factor. And again, I, I don't, I don't know. In Germany, the weather's somewhat similar in terms of there is rain, and I imagine you had to play indoors more so than in California. Um, but just still, how, how you know you have the lead, you have Stevie and Daniel Wynn staring down the barrel of four straight titles. You have all of this. I believe, if I remember, Stevie's sick. He's injured. All of these things going on for your team. How do you guys stay focused and get the job done in those instances? Is it is it Peter, like you mentioned? Yeah. So let me let me go first by saying that. Um, so we we lost the doubles point um, against against Virginia, you know, and then we had the rain come and and we had a little bit of a delay and we start um, we go indoors, right? And mm-hmm. they had only four indoor courts in, in Georgia, and so what do they do? They play one to four. And then whoever finishes first, the number five goes on, and then the six goes on. And five and six was uh, me five and Roberto Quiroz at six. And so it was Roberto and me, two freshmen, um, down a down a doubles point, and we're sitting on the other side of the locker room, um, kind of where no one was, and we're just so nervous because we know like <laughs> it's probably gonna come down to one of us. Like we think, okay, Stevie's gonna win. Okay, that's that's one one. <laughs> we need to win three more. Do we think that that D win Ray and Emmy are gonna win all of all of their matches? Mm, it's gonna be tough. And <laughs> so we, you know, we, we're watching the live scores. We're going insane in that room, and and I'm sure the uh, who was it? It was uh, Justin Shane and June Uriguen. Probably the same way, you know, from from the UVA guys. And so there was a kind of a unique situation. Like you have the freshmen kind of waiting the whole time, and then. Um, I go on court when Stevie finishes, and um, I know, you know, because D-Win was losing, I know, okay, it's going to be either me or Roberto that, that probably, you know, has to finish the match, and yeah, it came it came to us, and man, it was, it was just stressful, and again, uh, I had Peter on my court, and I think, I think when I walked on court, I, I walked by Peter and I said, I want you on my court. <laughs> and, and he said, yeah, I, I, I got you, I got you. And uh, yeah, it, it was that way. Um, I mean, third set, um, it's four all, I think, and I get broken, or at some point I get broken and, and Justin Shane is serving for the match at 5-4. And I remember Peter being so calm. You know, he was so calm. He was like on the bench. He was smiling. He was like telling me some jokes. I don't know exactly what it was, but um, you know, he's he just telling me some things to just just get my head like to relax and everything. Because um, if 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 Justin holds and they win the match, right? Because we were down three two. Uh, we were up three two, and it was and Uriguen against Kuros was up four one in the third set. So it was really. 
Yeah, I was looking close. <laughs> yeah, Peter was really good in this situation. Then somehow I pull it off. I went in the breaker. I think Roberto came back as well because Oregon was uh, was cramping. And um, man, there were so so many funny storylines. I remember Roberto telling me, uh, yeah, he was nervous as well, and 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 he had George Husak on on the sideline as coach, and Peter Lucas as well. And George was kind of singing to him like a song the whole time <laughs> to get him relaxed. And uh, yeah, there's just a lot of cool things that happened in those moments. And we were fortunate to have really good coaching staff that time, and obviously such a great team around us. And all, I mean, I mean, our freshman year, the, the lineup was incredible. And um, yeah, just just. Really, really so, good team. I'm, I'm looking at these top threes. For you guys, you know, Stevie, Ray, Daniel, for Virginia, Jenkins, Damajan, Frank. For UCLA, I believe it was Thompson and Gir- and Giron and just, oh my, uh, Thompson, Giron, and, Na- oh, sorry, Thompson, Meister, Novikov, Giron. Jesus, these teams were f***ing good. Oh my God, sorry. So I could talk about. UCLA, UCLA is not happy that Steve Johnson came back. They had a yeah. good shot. Oh, I also have some stories from Carousel that we'll share when we get to your junior year. But this is my last question about your freshman year team. Um, you, you know, going into that locker room after you guys win the title, it's the fourth title for Stevie and Daniel. They've got to be f***ing amped. Um, you know, you can keep it PG-13, but is there a story? Is there something ha- that happens afterwards where you're just like, yep, yeah, this is, you know, the Steve... I've, I've heard Peter Smith say, it, you know, it was never going to get better than it was at that moment. The Steve Johnson, Daniel Wynn, for Pete era comes to an end. Uh, just going through that, did, did you understand what it meant to the program? And did you feel, you know, going into your sophomore season, would you say you guys felt that burden of, okay, we've got to try and replace this? Um, first of all, the, the the moments after, yeah, they were they were incredible. I don't think I fully understood what these guys accomplished with that four feet um, until just like a year or two after, because the, the, the it's so special what they did, especially Stevie coming back for his fourth year. And um, yeah, that, you kind of could feel it um, once we got into the locker room because, I mean, Stevie, I think he was literally he was done. I, I don't know how he won the single, single championships after, but he was dead. Um, and D-Win was similarly just so relieved, right? So nervous and at play, like, and then we were, we were honestly, we were so happy that we could do it just for them, you know, just for them and the coaches, because what they've done for four years, man, that was special. And, um, yeah, after that, after that year, I mean, sophomore year it was kind of a big cut right we got got even gone we got cv gone and um people saying of course i mean it was only natural people saying okay stevie is done so now now we have a shot at beating these guys and uh yeah i mean the expectations weren't as high as before but still we, we were hungry right we wanted to prove ourselves like the year after stevie and the win was, was was still a big chance for us because we still had a great team and um yeah, also we, we came close that year, I think, too, because, I mean, losing to high State in the quarters was, wasn't a bad result. But yeah. um, I don't think we, we, we had in mind to really replace them because you can't really replace players like that. 
um, you just have to find your own kind of way to to really live up to the standard that was set the years before. And obviously, I think we struggled with it, but um, we didn't do a bad job. We could have done a better job, but um, it was still like a great learning process to 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 really have um, these guys off the team and, and find our own kind of um, goals and, and culture. Well, I'm gonna disagree with you when you say you struggled i mean right away in 2013 you guys make the national indoor championship and yeah we, we lost to uva there it, it, which is you lead me to my next question at this point in the rivalry you have now played virginia in two championship matches um obviously you have the added perspective of the later years as well but you know usc virginia or usc ucla and I, i'm sure it's you know a thin line between the two but which to you is the fiercer rivalry because i once saw you say in a video you know oh we're playing virginia you know they're bringing their a games we're bringing our a games too so I'm and it's gonna be a war out there <laughs> yeah we've watched the video <laughs> um i think uh, it's tough to say because because when we play uva it's always the higher stakes. It's always the either the, the indoors finals or semis or it's the NCAAs finals or semis. UCLA, we play a lot more during the year. So I, I think it's tough to compare this rivalry. But um, overall, I think the UCLA one is fiercer just because we play each other a lot. But then uh, in those years where UVA and USC was, was, were the top two programs, I think that, that rivalry was... was Man, that was, that was special. I think every time they had UVA, USC, man, you knew it was going to be a popcorn match. So, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I think both rivalries, they have something to it. And, um, yeah, I'd say, yeah. I, I mean, I, I love both, uh, to play both of these teams because, um, you know, it, it, it's going to bring the best out of all the players there. It's going to bring the best out of the fans, of the coaches. And so these matches, man, they were so enjoyable. Yeah, and again, uh, for the for the sake of brevity, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, we we could talk about all four of your years in great depth, but you talk about that UVA match. The next time you guys line up again, it's the NCAA semifinals, your junior year, and you hit what? First of all, you hit a shot against Alex Damajan, the falling forehand, a stretch passing shot where he falls over at the net. It crushed me. I wanted that Virginia team to win so badly, and you just you ripped you ripped my heart out there. So know that I remember watching on the live stream, being like unbelievable that he made that. Um, but just talking about that junior year, you know, the yes, Ray is a senior on that team, but you're the man now at that point. You're playing one singles, you're playing one doubles. You have this added burden onto you. Um, what is that experience like, you know, being expected to lead the team, being expected to perform week in, week out, get the, everyone's best shot at number one singles? Uh, did, would you say it helped your game grow? Definitely. Um, you only grow from these things if you if you su- uh, succeed or if you fail. I think you, you grow no matter what. Um, the whole year was kind of, I knew, okay, I knew junior year, I was playing my best tennis that I've had in, in, in the years before. And, um, okay, then I, I'm in the one spot. And, you know, obviously thoughts about, okay, how does Stevie do this? How did he do this? And <laughs> how can I be a little bit like Stevie? So Stevie was, was, was always kind of there a little bit. But um, 
you know, you, you can't really think about him, right? Stevie, Stevie was special. So, so for me, I wouldn't call that I was the man because we were like we were all uh, in the same boat together, and I was playing one. But I think I'm a little bit more of a, um, I don't know, calmer, more more quiet uh, personality. <laughs> Stevie was more <laughs> the the fierce leader of the of the pack, <laughs> sure. and that's okay. But um, yeah, so for me it was was definitely special to to play one at Georgia, um, reaching another final, and 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 I really played great championships at one. I mean, I, I had such a good tournament. But um, honestly, that junior year, we won it only because everyone from our lineup from one to six just played amazing. You know, maybe <laughs> it, Roberto, Roberto was the only one that was really up to it. But um, that's okay. <laughs> you know, everybody str- struggles sometimes. But I think you know Ray played some incredible tennis at, at two. I mean, he beat these guys just just really crazy fashion because he was he was struggling I think a little bit with the physical stuff and he had a tough year um, because he switched a lot of rackets and tried a lot of different things but then at, a, at the NTAs he switched it on and he was unstoppable and and then we had um, at four we had Max de Vroom I mean he played the tournament of his life I feel like <laughs> with the clincher as well and, and and, and Max played amazing for, for those matches. And then we had EJ, Eric Johnson at five. He was so solid. I mean, um, that was really cool to see because EJ and me have been roommates ever since uh, freshman year. And then we had Michael Grant at six, who wasn't really um, our number six for the year. But then short before the tournament, he, he stepped in and uh, he played amazing as well. So so it kind of was that perfect storm, like how you call it, for that week at NCAs where we really just gave it our best shot. And, and man, that was, that was really special. To be yeah, well, watch Stevie Johnson, man, that was, that was a good feeling. Well, I, I, I want to talk more about that season, but sticking with that theme of NCAA, yeah, I mean, it really, everything came together perfectly for your team, and you talk about Ray playing, uh, you know, excellent tennis, yourself, you play excellent, Max DeVroom does his best to channel a freshman year Yannick, and he, you know, he's winning all of these matches, um, I, you know, I, I'm sh- I, I don't want to force you to compare, but I think it's an obvious question. Uh, which championship is sweeter, clinching that fourth title your freshman year, or you know proving to everyone, you know we don't need Steve Johnson to win, uh, and and securing USC's a hundredth NCAA title in total. Which one do you look back more fondly on? Um, obviously, the the most diplomatic answer would be both, and it is both in a way, but. Um, in my third year, I think I was a little bit more, you know, settled and and kind of like had a, a bit more perspective around about the whole thing. So being being in the in, in the top of the lineup and being a little bit more responsible of everything, obviously it 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 feels you you feel that reward a little bit more than than freshman year because honestly I played a pretty a pretty <laughs> tournament in my freshman year. I just had that I just had that one match that happened happened to be the clincher. And uh, I won that one. So as a as a tennis player, for sure, the junior year is sweeter. But but in a team perspective, man, you gotta say freshman year because you 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 made it four in a row, and you, you have that great story with Stevie and Win winning four. So yeah, both have something. And um, yeah, I, I just want to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, totally fair. Well then. 
I was going to ask a follow-up of which team wins, your freshman year team or your junior year team, but again. Freshman. <laughs> Oh, good answer. We'll leave that one there as well. I would but lose that... to EJ at five. I know that. But... <laughs> oh, I would. TV one day. <laughs> oh, that would be a fun one for sure. Yeah, hopefully we'll get to see you guys play on the pro circuit um, as well. But I do want to ask you one more thing about that junior year season. So you guys finished the year thirty-two and three. Um, early on, you guys lose in the national indoor final to Ohio State in a funky format. They're playing tiebreakers at five all. So we'll put a little yeah, asterisk. I was talking. Yeah, I was talking to Coach Tucker, and he got he. I brought up how the format was different. He's like, "Oh, you're putting an asterisk next to my national title." And so I'm not trying to do that, Coach. I like obviously hey, it I'm does. I'm hoping he wins the championship. I really wish for him. Yes. Oh, such a good guy. But talking about that 32 and 3 team, you guys go 1 and 2 on the year against your other biggest rival, UCLA. And I have it on good authority from one Carousel that he has been told that you guys thought that UCLA team was better than your team that year and that they were the team to beat. Is that true or false? Well, I don't think any one of our team would say that. but if you have 2-1 against us you can say you were the better team this year but you know what Um, (laughs) NCAA tennis is is really its own kind of tournament and at the NCAAs we always had a little bit of an edge and um, I think that's why they maybe lost this close one to Oklahoma which we couldn't believe we were like we just won against UVA and we're like okay we're playing UCLA right no they just lost and we're like, what? We didn't expect <laughs> them to lose, and um, it didn't come to it. It didn't come to you, USC, UCLA. It would be definitely very challenging, but um, never came to it. So, Karu, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm sure he will stand by his thinking that I mean that UCL t- UCLA he can, team was fine. Low. I got I got two rings. <laughs> Oh, I'm in. We'll leave it there. Nothing, nothing left to say. Um, I, I will, you know, to to put a bow on your college career. Again, you end up with the two national titles. Your senior year, you guys have, by any measure, a successful season. You know, you uh, you end up on the year going. Uh, 25 and five. You finish. Uh, I believe you lost in the quarterfinals to a home Baylor team. Um, but but still, uh, you know, looking back at your four years at USC, it, it it the answer might be pretty obvious. But do you still, you know, that was the right decision, and that's probably the best decision you've made in terms of your college uh, or in terms of your tennis career. Yes. <laughs> Can we leave that there as well? You've got two rings. Carew's so got none. I, I have. I honestly have zero regrets. Um, I'd do it all over again. USC was amazing. I owe a lot. Uh, a lot of my success that I have now, I owe to the program, the coaches, and um, yeah, I wouldn't have done it any any different. And yeah, shout out to you know back then uh, Peter Smith, George Husak, and then Chris Quinter came, amazing coach. We had Peter Lucasen helping us out. We had Jeff Durango <laughs> freshman year also helping us out. Um, yeah, all of, all of these guys in place at USC. I mean, they I owe a lot to them, and um, really grateful for the time 
And I'm actually going to do vacation for this this end of the year, um, November. I'm going to go to L.A. because my sister ah. lives there. And def- definitely going to come out to USC again. And always, always looking forward to coming there and visiting the guys. I love yeah, it. Just really grateful uh, for what happened. And yeah, would always. I was just from the videos I've seen, it looked like you and Roberto Quiroz had a budding bromance. Uh, I imagine you know you guys are still pretty close. So. Uh, yeah, it, it, it just that team, that time period, that the, that six year span for USC, you know, between that, the Virginia run uh, recently, some of the Stanford teams from the '90s. I mean, those are the premier dynasties of college tennis. So, I, I let me just tell you, and we can put a bow on it here. As a fan, it was such a pleasure to get to watch. So, thank you, Coach Smith, for recruiting Yannick. It was awesome. Um, but now let, let's 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 talk, and I want to be conscious of your time. We're at about the fifty-minute mark. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about your pro career. Um, first of all, I was looking through. You've got wins over Michael Mo, Stefano Tsitsipas. You are just locking up these young gun wins, so that you've got the transitive property for years. So you know, very impressive. But I guess coming out of USC. You know, your tennis game is on top of it. You know, it's clear how much you've improved throughout your four years. Was the goal at that point always, I want to go pro afterwards? Oh, the goal was to go pro before college, too. Um, But we just knew that I needed a little bit more time. And, um, yeah, and and that time was given to me at USC. And and, and, uh, every year I... (laughs) I wanted. I, I was thinking like, okay, I go year college and then I go pro. I go uh, maybe another year, but it, it the question never really uh, was asked because USC was so good, and I, I knew okay, I'm gonna get after the second year. I was like, for sure, I'm gonna do my degree here, and and then I go pro. So it was always the goal was always to go pro, but um, USC kind of enabled me and and made me physically, mentally stronger and prepared me for that. And, uh, yeah, but but pro was always on my mind. Sure, and you know now uh, obviously you've had uh, your 131 in the world. You've had a lot of success on the futures circuit, uh, winning I believe five singles titles. You've also had some success on the challenger circuit as well, um, winning I believe three titles there. Two this year, if I remember correctly. Um, you know. Given uh, you're 26 years old now, you're, you're top 150, you had a brief stint inside the top 100, uh, how do you view your time as on the Pro Tour of having gone so far? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely proud of myself, really. Um, I mean, it's been, what, three years since college, and uh, I, I think I've done a great development over these years, and uh, I think I'm, 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 not, I'm not done by far. I think I have, I have potential for much more, but um, yeah, tennis is tough. You know, there's a lot of a lot of people can, that can play well as well. And um, as you said, you know, Michael Moes, Steph Tsitsipas. I mean, I beat these guys. Uh, or the, I spent I bet I beat Tsitsipas two years ago, and now he's what top twenty almost. <laughs> and um, sometimes it can go quick, right? And uh, yeah, I definitely I definitely did well. I think um, just just. College just helped me to to really be um, I don't know to to go through hard times and and to go through hard matches, but but really keep it keep it positive, kind of um, go face the adversity and, and get better um, 
while just grinding, you know, because in college you play so many matches and under hard circumstances, and then you'll have the same on, on the pro tour, right? It's not always the weather is great, the um, the body feels great. It's not like that, and um, yeah, that's that's what what really helped me transitioning over to the pros. Yeah, and you know, there are so many moments on your pro t- career we could talk about as well. Um, I, I I do want to ask you. You know, making that at the Swiss Open last year, making that first ATP final, uh, you came a little bit short against Fognini. But what was that experience like? And you know, you having had so much success at USC, how did it compare to those moments? Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely it, it's just different because it's kind of like a, a cut you made. You know, that's college, and this is pro, so you don't really heard that much to each other anymore but I mean that run was just a little bit I, I don't want to say miraculous but I definitely played a little bit uh, tor- towards like a flow kind of feeling and um, just the, the, the circumstances really was favoring my game and uh, it was a little bit altitude the balls were jumping like crazy my kick serve was really effective and um yeah, I was playing really aggressive and, and, and taking these guys a little bit by surprise, I'd say. Because, uh, I mean, now when I play, everybody knows, you know, what I'm doing, right? Uh, that, sure. that's, the, that's the big change or the big diff- uh, difficulty that every player has to has to face when, you know, you're breaking out, but then people to analyze your game and then when they play you again, they, they play a little bit different, you know? And, yeah, um, yeah and, 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 and now... Um, I'll have these players that know how to play me and that, that's why it gets a little bit tougher but then you push through that as well and in Kstad I think nobody really expected anything out of me and um, I think the opponents that I faced they um, yeah, they, they weren't really sure what to do with me and um, I played a great tournament and we made it through qualifying and I, oh, I, I felt immediately hey, like it's it's going to be tough to beat me here. I'm playing really, I'm really playing dangerous. And my coach said the same thing. He said, after the qualifying, he said, hey, Yanni, don't worry. You, you got to, like, people have to beat you here. You, you're good, trust me. <laughs> and I didn't really trust him, but then at the end, I was like, okay, maybe you're right. Yeah, no, no kidding. And I, I do want to, you know, and again, we will wrap soon. I promise I won't keep you here forever. Uh, yeah, this, this is my revenge for that passing shot against Damajan. It's just keeping you as long as possible. Um, but I, I, I want to ask you, talk about people knowing your game uh, at this point. And for those who haven't seen your game, first of all, you know, I, I promise I won't flatter you too much, but very explosive game. Big kick serves, you know, not afraid to move forward. Just it's a, it's a beautifully well-rounded game. And I'm just curious because for us layman people, us common tennis players, the question of... How the f*** do you keep getting better at that point? Like, it's, it's just, it, it eludes us, you know, because we have ceilings. For you on the pro circuit, how do you keep improving your game to make those adjustments so that people don't know what they're expecting when they play you? Um, well, yeah, it's, it's a constant involvement. I mean, uh, involvement. I think if you ask any, any top tennis player, I think no one will say, yeah, I'm pretty happy with where my game is. I'm, uh, it's all good. You know, everyone will tell you that, that they have something to improve on. And that's true. I mean, if you if you ask Roger, if you ask Novak, if you ask Rafa, like all of these guys, they will, will, will step on the practice court and they will 
continue to get better because if you if you're not trying to get better other people will and you'll get overtaken so really there i could tell you so many things that 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 i'm trying to work on right now that that are maybe minor but you always as a tennis player you always have some things to fine tune and um it's just the nature of our sport that that constantly makes you you know adapt to to the game i mean think about how many times roger and rafa or roger and novak or novak and rafa have played each other and and i'm sure they find something in every match they will be like oh like look what he did here and then you got to adapt to that but then in the next match the other guy will look at it and like oh he he saw this and then we got to change this so it's always like little little things here and there where you look at tape or you look at film or whatever and um you just try and and, and, and get better at it yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, I, I do want to change topics a little bit here, and then again we'll end with our rapid fire. But you know, one, I, in doing research for this podcast, I read that one of your goals was always to play in the main draw of a Grand Slam. And I know you had that opportunity this year uh, facing fellow countryman Philip Kohlschreiber in the first round of the U.S. Open. Uh, yeah, you know, that's a match you lost in four sets, but still four very tight sets. I remember watching the match. What what, uh, what did you just think about the whole experience? Did it live up to what you hoped? Um, it was, <laughs> man, I mean, when you were there, you know that even for spectators, um, it wasn't really that enjoyable, enjoyable <laughs> to watch because of the weather, weather conditions. Um, sure. That's, that's why it maybe helped me a little bit. Uh, and maybe it hurt me a little bit as well because it was the the conditions were so extreme that I was so concerned about like trying to to have enough energy, drink enough, you know, uh, take enough electrolytes, salt pills, whatever, just everything to get my body going. Uh-huh. I didn't really think about like the 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 whole circumstance. Of, hey, I'm, I'm playing main draw, you know, I'm playing U.S. Open first round, you know, I'm playing a five setter, all these things. They were not so present, and so so I, I kind of just played, and I feel like I played a good match, and um, definitely a little bit unfortunate that I didn't lose, uh, didn't win the first set because it was a little bit better. And actually, Philip and I talked about this after, and he said, "Yeah, first set, he you, you could have gotten me there a little bit, but yeah, unfortunate that I didn't get the win, but I was still pleased with my." Um, with my performance there and um yeah i mean three hours uh whatever 15 20 minutes or whatever it was in those conditions wasn't easy as well and uh yeah hungry for more man. when you saw you drew philip did you were you like oh f-. like of all the people <laughs> i mean no because i mean for me it was it didn't really matter to, to play. i mean obviously there's i was not really hoping for like a big big match because that's could go like a rough way too but <laughs> to me it was just my first main draw and the draw was gonna you know be cool anyways and but the the, the funny thing about this was um my coach um is Lars Übel and mm-hmm. um I have another coach as well Lucas Wolf but mm-hmm. um Philip Koschraber he changed to our academy a couple <laughs> of months before and he wanted to have Lars coach him so that was kind of uh the agreement so he is at our academy but Lars coaches him as well uh-huh. <laughs> and so Lars, <laughs> the guy that I worked since since college we're working to that toward that goal to play grand slam main draw and then after all these years I made it and I play against 
kind of his player now. <laughs> yeah. so that was strange. That was really strange. So we had oh. Lars sitting kind of neutral. We had Philip um, in Philip's box. There was his um, manager and and his girlfriend. And for me, there was Lucas in my box. So it is definitely really strange. But yeah, that's sometimes tennis, uh-huh. right? The draws. Yeah, I can I can only imagine. And then. Uh, you know, before the U.S. Open, I, I mentioned this earlier, we, we didn't have the chance to interview you, but we were both at the Stone Mountain Lodge Classic, uh, a wonderful event put on Grand Slam Tennis Tours, the top-notch management team. Shout out to Sam Duvall and all of them, you know, the shameless plug there. But did you, you know, what, what did you think about that experience? Was that your first type of, of event like that? And, you know, what did you think? Mm, yeah, I think yeah, it was the first kind of exhibition for sure. I mean, I've sure. played some of some some kind of things like that in college, but but not to that extent. So it was the first time. I mean, the resort was amazing. Um, I would I should probably on this podcast uh, talk smack about it because I don't want <laughs> anyone to play this. I want to play it again, <laughs> and um, I, I don't want to have Sam like have so many requests that I'm not invited next year. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, um, yeah, I mean, Stowe was amazing. Great uh, preparation for the Open. Um, you have great practice conditions, you know, you have, you kind of, um, you can just do your thing and, and really, really good preparation. I mean, and the matches, they were super fun. There was always yeah. a big crowd. And, you know, you, you played for something, but you also kept a little bit casual. I mean, I had a couple of um, fun matches. I played Matara, um, German friend, and I played Noah Rubin. And yeah, it was uh, just a really cool event to get ready for the Open. And yeah, I would love to come back there next year. Well, I I, I will also say at the players' party, the the sushi or the sushi, whatever they had, delicious. Yeah, man. And oh, the land, just all of that stuff. I will also say, uh, my Great Shot podcast partner, uh, co-host Max Rothman, and I. Did the play-by-play for your first match versus Martyrer? Oh, I okay. I swear to God, you gave us death glares, looking like shut the f- up. You're like, I can hear you. I don't want to hear you anymore. So if we were too loud, I've I've been holding that apology in for the whole hour. So I <laughs> I, I wanted to apologize for that. But then, all right, our last tennis question before the rapid fire. Uh, I know you unfortunately are now struggling with injury. You know, trying to rehab. I guess. It's a two-part question. One, uh, will we be seeing any more of you on tour in 2018? And then, you know, the second question is, how will you be rehabbing and getting yourself ready for what could, what should be an excellent 2019 season? Um, most likely, I won't be playing anymore this year. I'm obviously going to try, but it uh, looks tough. But, you know, out of all this uh, injury, I mean, you got to look at the good at the good things. I mean, I can do a long preparation for the new season. I can really take care of of, of uh, my body and and fitness things, and and that's what I have to focus on because everything else would just be uh, too negative. <laughs> um, obviously, I miss competing, I miss playing, and miss practicing, but that's okay. You know, maybe maybe after after this injury is is, uh, is healthy again, I'm I'm better than ever. You know, I'm stronger than ever, and um, yeah, that's what I'm aiming for. I got some elbow issues. I'm obviously trying to just, you know, get the structures around the elbow really loose, get the shoulder loose, um, get some good movement in there. But, yeah, because it's a tendon, that's the, the problem there. It's going to take some time because these tendons, they, they don't recover that well and there's not that much you can do. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing the best I can and 
hoping to be back on the court in January, but um, yeah, I just have to see like month by month how how it's going. Sure, I, I I should have asked this earlier. I'm going to sneak it in now. You're talk you talk about the sleeve. You you wear an arm sleeve during matches. When did that start? Sometimes. Like how, yeah, sometimes. How, how how did that come about? Is that like a John Wall thing? You love. I know you like basketball. Is that you know? Yeah. Um, I I think the first time I, I wore an arm arm sleeve was uh, in college because um, I also had. I think I had some elbow issues now and then go, um, going away and coming back at the time so so it, it helps it helps the um, the blood flow and it keeps it warm so it, that that can really help with, with your elbow but uh, besides that it obviously looks really cool there it is that's what I was looking for <laughs> that's probably why I'm wearing it um, <laughs> Yeah, so it, so it's a good mix, right? It looks good and and it kind of helps you a little bit, but it probably looks better than it helps. So I swear to God, all I could think with the martyr match is like, how is Yannick gonna lose this in a sleeve? Like, God, damn, he looks good out there. So I agree with you. Definitely keep rocking it. But all right, with that being said, enough tennis. Let's have a little bit of fun before we let you go. We like to run all of our guests through a rapid fire se- uh, select group of questions at the end of the podcast a lot of these are going to be you know one to five word answers and given that you played college tennis some of my questions are going you know the first I think four or five questions will be USC teammate related and then from there we just want to learn a little bit more about you but sounds good all right okay so again we're sticking with USC teammates at first who of your USC teammates was the best to get dinner with I'm going to say Johnny Wayne. <laughs> is there any good story there? No, just Johnny is a lo- lovable character, Asian guy on our team. Two-handed forehand, backhand. Uh, and can play slice both sides, can, can serve with the left hand, serve with the right hand. Um, <laughs> always funky ideas, uh, got a crazy cool personality, love the guy missing. Um, yeah. I love it. I best. mean, I would go to dinner with every one of them now. But, uh, <laughs> back then, sure. Johnny, yeah. Well, then, on that theme, who was the best to go out with? Uh, Roberto. We have the same music taste. Um, we like to dance. Um, yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, then, best locker room dancer. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's probably Roberto. You know, we, we have that reggaeton going. In, in our locker room and Roberto would always go go with the hips a little bit and um, teaching teaching some of the guys teaching Eric Johnson who maybe didn't have the best hip swing but teaching him a little bit and uh, yeah there's our locker room was a lot of Spanish music um, Roberto got a lot got a lot of shit from the other guys but um, you know he stuck with it I can only imagine well then who was the funniest um, okay so Stevie is very funny but sometimes rude. Um, we got we got Johnny Wang. He's, he's got who's very funny in a very unexpected way. And Eric about, Johnson is pretty funny in a very dry way. What about I, I? I could see Bellamy being funny. I know nothing about him, but I could just see him being a funny kid. Uh, Robbie. <laughs> Robbie can be Robbie can be funny. I mean, I had two years with Robbie, and uh-huh. um, 
Yeah, he he has a he has a like I would say he goes something into cynicism. Funny, kind sure. of funny cynicism. That that could be that could be it. <laughs> I like it. Well, that, all right. Two more team questions. Who on the team did everyone rip on the most? Because there's always someone on every team. There's always a uh, you know a kid. for us it was this kid uh, Kevin Rothstein. We used to always go after him because he was just you know. There's always someone. Probably, I would say Roberto Quiroz and Greg Lavanovsky. <laughs> I expected to hear. And Greg, place. Greg was a was a manager on our team, but yeah, oh, sure. he had to take a lot. <laughs> I like it. Well, then my last one, and again, I'm I'm going to ask you to throw someone under the bus here. Biggest hook during your four years at USC could be in practice, can be in matches. By far. Like and that's not even close to like like he's on the top of the list and there's long there's nothing and then the other guys come it's Nick Crystal. <laughs> I oh hope he listens to this. Oh, that's I'm so expecting funny. a call. He just uh, it, it's just it's an eyesight. And that, and that's it's the only that's, that's actually the only reason that I've lost every practice set against him. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I don't know. Something about that is funny. I guess with strokes that ugly, it makes sense. He has the hook to make his way to the top of the lineup. Uh, just kidding. He would whoop my ass. Um, but in that spirit. All right. Let's, he still let's... would whoop my ass. I, I, I think I'll never beat Nick Crystal in the tennis match ever. Well, Nick Crystal, a hell of a tennis player. But okay, let's, let's end with a little bit about you, Yannick. Your favorite city in the world. Uh I don't know, man. That's uh, <laughs> there's so many cool cities. I, I'm just gonna say, you know, it's easy. L.A. and Cotsworth, it's easy. Yeah, I, I like it. Well, then, what's your go-to? You mentioned the reggae tone. What's your go-to warm-up song? Yeah, it's probably reggaeton. Some <laughs> some kind of songs from there. Oh, you I want a song that. right now? X from Nicky Jam and these guys. Oh, That's I a just... good warm-up song. You know, uh, Torpegard and Polinen have a band, so you and Kiroz should... Uh, oh, yeah, I heard I, about that. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I want to hear Competing tour. All right, uh, go-to on-flight movie. Um, it has been actually La La Land. I really <laughs> liked it. Great movie. Not what I expected, but great answer. No, totally oh. not. You, you would think I'm going for like an action thing or whatever. Oh, no, you I really sh- like La La Land. I like, I like the musical side of it. If Peter Smith is Tony Stark, you're the, uh, I don't want to say the, th- yeah, you have to be the Thor, I suppose, with the blonde hair and the blue eyes of the USC No team. chance, I'm, the, I'm not a Thor guy. That can be Max of Room would be like a Thor guy. <laughs> That's funny. All right, well, I know you are a basketball fan. I wanted to slide this in. Favorite NBA team? Okay, um, used, to, used to be Boston Celtics in the era of um, Rondo, Allen, um, Garnett, um, these guys, Paul Pierce. Um, now Rondo is with the Lakers, so I, I love the Lakers a little bit more now. Um, <laughs> then of course I have I, I I watched all the games of the Mavericks when when Dirk won it finally. That was probably <laughs> the coolest thing I've witnessed in basketball. Um, yeah, so so I'm always rooting for the Mavericks just because of Dirk, but. Yeah, it's it's tough with the teams because they change so much. But mm-hmm. um, I'm a Rondo fan. I love the the Celtics the way they played back then. And um, yeah, it, it's tough to have a team now that Rondo changed and 
Dirks, Mavericks, they're kind of like a little bit irrelevant. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hard to say, but um, yeah. yeah. No, they've got my boy Luka Doncic coming in. Though they're uh, they they should okay. be okay. Yeah, yeah. It'll be I know. yeah. I heard good things, so, yeah. so hopefully, hopefully this year they can compete for a playoff spot. But it's gonna be rough. Yeah. Rough. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with you. All right, well then, two more, and then we'll let you go. In honor of our name, the last time Yannick Hanifman cracked a racket was a long time ago. <laughs> you didn't let crack me, one? Let me think. Let me let me actually think. Crystal hooks you twice in a row. <laughs> yeah, that was for you. No, I think I was about to change rackets, and then one of my rackets in practice actually broke without without me doing much about it. And then I just took it after the practice and just destroyed it. But there was not really in a match. I don't I don't crack rackets during matches. I think I don't want to do that. No, you you do seem very mild mannered. Well, then I lied. I thought of a bonus one that I can't believe I didn't ask yet. But we'll 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 start with this. Your favorite thing about a fresh can of tennis balls is that I can serve an ace again. You know, that's a more frequently given answer. A lot of people say the smell, obviously, but that's usually number two. So I like that. And then my last question, and this is a common topic amongst the Cracked Rackets group. I feel like you will finally be able to put a, you know, a bow on this answer. When you're playing Stevie Johnson in practice, you got to hit everything to the backhand, right? It's You attack the one or the slice or whatever. No, Nothing that's completely to the wrong. Really? Completely wrong. Yeah. Oh. You gotta, you gotta get into the forehand, then go to the backhand, and then he's completely lost. You just come in and you just win the point. <laughs> Man, I just gotta play Stevie one. Oh my gosh! Well, dibs on getting to do the commentary for that match as well because that would be so much fun. Me and Peter Smith can be in the booth. Uh, I like it, but all right. Uh, I yeah, think, I think Peter would actually be on site. Like he would be there. Yeah, we we replace. Uh, I say this lovingly. We replace Bradley Klon and the second tier Stanford Cardinals with Steve Johnson at next year's Stowe event, and we just have um you know a USC battle. Just kidding, Brad. Big fan of Klon, so that was a joke. Uh, but again, you know what we can. We can wrap up there. Uh, Yannick, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this. If you couldn't tell, I was obviously very enthusiastic for this interview. And, you know, you put up with all of my sh- which I very much appreciate. So thank you for coming yeah, on. Very and- easy. Had a good time. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Of course, and you know, once you're feeling better, uh, we we can go the full two hours as opposed to just an hour and a half, and we can really work the answers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, good luck to you this off season. Feel better, and you know, you're always welcome on the Craft Interviews podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, and t- take care. We will see you soon.